welcome to Animates. I'm Paige. I'm Chris. And today we will be discussing We Bear Bears. Um, this is the most contemporary cartoon that we've covered so far, to the point that it's actually still airing. And just a heads up for everyone, uh, we're going to limit ourselves to discussing seasons one through three, so that anyone who hasn't gotten caught up on season four of We Bear Bears yet can do that without having spoilers from us. So if you're worried about that, don't worry about it anymore. I, um, it's interesting to think about our audience and our typical audience age. And I wonder how many people are actively following We Bear Bears. I hope people are, because it's actually a great show. But um, I don't know many people who are watching cartoons on a daily basis like us now. I feel like the people who listen to our show probably still, I mean, I knew a lot of folks who were following shows in college. I know that those folks are still following things like Steven Universe. We're still following Adventure Time. I know several adults who watch the show. It was recommended to me by my younger sister. So it's a little less... There's a little bit less potential for spoilers with We Bear Bears than there is with something like Steven Universe. But you never know. You never want to accuse, be accused of not giving a warning for spoilers or for, for doing spoilers. So I thought it would be for the best, right? Oh, no. Ab- absolutely. I was more just kind of thinking about, I wonder, I, I was thinking about this because now if I want to go watch cartoons, and this is something I noticed with We Bear Bears, um it really competes for TV space with everything else on a streaming service. Whereas when I was a kid, just like throwing Cartoon Network on, it's like you just left it on and whatever played, played. And I ended up watching a lot more that way than when I have to actively go and choose what to watch. Because I'm watching like a bunch of shows right now, um, all very different. It's like I'm watching Broadchurch, which is a BBC drama. Um, and then like reruns of Parks and Rec and an anime and there's just things, it's all competing for space. So, um, I wonder if people struggle with that. Like I do. Um, Yeah, definitely. I think, so for example, I got, uh, yelled at the other day by my coworkers for not having finished Stranger Things yet. It was last week. It's it so was late. Good. It was late. I, fi- I finished it now. I finished it now. Okay. It was late last week. And I said, Hey, I haven't watched the last episode yet. Don't spoil it. And they were like, What? How have you not finished it? And I was like, I was on vacation when it was released. And I have other th- things to do and other things to watch besides just watch all of Stranger Things, you no, know? <laughs> that's okay. No, for real. That's like, I, I agree with you. That's, that's, okay. kind of, I wasn't. Uh, I was more just like, oh, my God, it's so good. Just exclaiming it for, for nobody in particular. Um, Fair enough. I, I yeah. think six months. Six months is kind of like a very conservative fair. It's like if six months have passed and you, you've watched the show before, then it, I, I get it. Like I, I release my spoiler privileges after six months. For example, I haven't watched the last three seasons of Game of Thrones. And if somebody came up to me and just started talking about Game of Thrones and, and a spoiler slipped out, I wouldn't be mad. I would be disappointed in myself, but I wouldn't be mad at them. Yeah, I think 
So I think more and more it seems like a general consensus is starting to form online about spoilers. And it seems that people are saying for currently airing TV shows for a particular episode, you have two weeks. For a movie, you have a month to six weeks. But I don't know if there's a consensus around books and streaming service TV shows that get released all the once, all at once. And I'd say for streaming service TV shows, it would be six months. And for books, it would be one year. That's okay. my opinion. Yeah. I, I don't know. I work. You work. We, we are adults with lives. So I think our – I wonder how many of those standards are being set by people ages 22 and younger – who have like summers and winter breaks and like, oh, well, okay, I get those too. So <laughs> I really, I really should. Yeah, I would say like for the, for the currently airing TV show, two weeks and for a movie, six weeks, I think that's reasonable. And I think that those standards are considered for like accidentally given spoilers, like just freely posting on the timeline, not giving a shit who sees like spoilers you know, um, now if it comes to you're talking about it and someone goes, wait, wait, I haven't seen it yet and I'm going to, please don't spoil it, then just don't spoil it. Don't be a dick, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, this is very interesting viewing etiquette because it's probably not the last time we're going to come. Like Steven Universe is just airing, just finished airing what it intended to do. Adventure mm -hmm. Time is done and... I I don't really watch a lot of contemporary cartoons anymore. Um, with Steven Universe, I guess We Bear Bears is now the only show that I mm -hmm. follow that is currently still being made. We'll see. Okay, Steven yeah. Universe too. But something I think we'll get into is that I'm really excited to see. Like right now, I'm only watching Steven Universe and We Bear Bears, but I'm excited to see what we get from people who so Rebecca Sugar she worked on Adventure Time so we're already seeing what's being created by people who worked on Adventure Time I'm excited to see what we're getting from people who who worked on regular show who worked on Gravity Falls who worked on Steven Universe I'm excited to see what we get from them in the next few years hopefully it's good it's yeah, hopefully. Hard, it would be tough. really disappointing if it all sucked. Well, it's tough. Well, okay, and it's like tough acts to follow, really. Mm -hmm. um, it's really hard. Um, and I, I, I have a point to make, I think, that would be better made at the end of the episode than, than at the beginning here. Um, so, all right, make a note, put a bookmark in it. Yeah, let's talk about Let's talk about. We bear bears. So for those of you who don't know, it's we bear as in like bear skinned, B-A-R-E, bears, like rah, bears. And it's, they're, they're nude. They're nude all the time. They don't wear clothes. These are naked bears, just so it's clear. Um, so we bear bears is a currently airing children's cartoon airing on Cartoon Network. I have read, I swear to God, I read once that the target demo was 11 to 14, but I can't, it doesn't say that on the Wikipedia anymore. I can't figure out where it was. I read it. I don't know. Um, it could have been that they won an award for that category or something. And that's why I read it. Um, which note the whole idea of demo target demos. This show seems much gentler than something like avatar, which apparently the target demo was 
seven to 11 for that. So, you know, just something to note. Uh, it was created by Daniel Chong, who is an animator by trade. He's worked for Pixar and other studios. And he based it on a really, really short-lived webcomic that he did in 2010 and 2011 called The Three Bear Bears. It was optioned by Cartoon Network um, for a shorts development, basically. They have a shorts development program where a lot of the stuff that they're putting out now comes out of, really always has, and it was optioned for that. It was announced uh, in 2014 and originally aired in 2015. It has four seasons. The episodes are 11 minutes a pop, just like Steven Universe. And uh, it just finished up airing season four, like I said. Um, so it features comedians of some note as a lot of the voice cast, which is a little bit different. Uh, Grizz, we've got main characters, Grizz, uh, one of the three bear brothers is voiced by Eric Edelstein, a comedian. Uh, Panda is voiced by Bobby Moynihan, who some people might know from Saturday Night Live. And Ice Bear is voiced by Dimitri Martin, who is also a somewhat famous comedian. Uh, notable side character Nom Nom the Koala, voiced by Patton Oswalt. And then we see performances from guest performances from time to time from people like Bo Burnham. Uh, also worth noting that major side character Charlie, who is a Bigfoot, is voiced by Jason Lee, who is a pretty noteworthy actor and prolific voice actor. And frequent side character Chloe is voiced by Charlene Yi who a lot of you will know as the voice of all of the rubies from Steven Universe. Uh, I also want to say that I was correct. Um, Weird Al does voice a couple of side characters and a character in the episode called The Fair, um, where he oh, plays really? a carny. And I, I recognized his voice immediately. And That's funny. I did not recognize that at all. I also listen to a lot of Weird Al music, so <laughs> that <laughs> that is why. Something that I think my dad and I share in common. Um, <laughs> yeah, but point point is, is that well-known comedians, I don't know, Dimitri Martin is the one that sticks out the most to me. He also voices the best character. Um no, I don't know about that. People probably have their own opinions, but... I don't know. Literally every person I've asked, who's your favorite bear, says Ice Bear. Okay, So, so yeah, I don't let's... know if that's just something about the type of adults who would watch We Bear Bears. <laughs> yes, let's let's uh, cycle back. And the, the main cast here, unless there is there is there any other demographic information that you had found pertinent or interesting... Um... It, uh, the opening theme is sung by Estelle, which some people might also be excited about because she voices Garnet on Steven Universe. Also, that's pretty much all I got. It. She's she's a professional musician as well. She is. Yeah, she. Mm. I, I I saw an interview 
with her about like Rebecca Sugar approaching her or something for Steven Universe, but we'll get to that later. Anyway. Oh, that's fun. Um, oh, and the show takes place in the Bay Area, in yeah, the San Francisco San Bay Area. Francisco. And that's pretty important to the show. It's very much like my boyfriend commented, I love that it's set in San Francisco and they make it look really like San Francisco. Yeah. Um, I, I think... I, I, I have to imagine that the writers have lived in San Francisco, which oh, I'll, explain, yeah. I'll explain later. Um, I've only visited once, so I don't know anything about what it's actually like to live there. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of soft ragging on the city and the citizens that live in San Francisco, um, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love. There's some like. Uh, like funny liberal humor in there, I think, or like young people culture humor. Um, yeah. Well, they. My favorite San Francisco thing there. Before we move on to talk about the characters, is that the bears semi frequently take Bart, which is uh, Bay Area Rail Transit. It was also mentioned in an episode of I thought it was uh, Jack and Chain Adventures. And they consistently portray Bart as just being wildly unreliable. Whenever they miss a train, they're like, the next train is in 45 minutes. Which, like, for those of you who live in Chicago or something like that, that's it's ridiculous to wait that long for your, your you know, urban rail transit to come, right? So I think that's pretty funny how they're just kind of ragging on Bart for being unreliable. Well, and then they, like, they say... Um, arriving in 45 minutes and then they look at the time and it says Bart arriving in or train arriving in 20 seconds and it's <laughs> been it hasn't been 45 minutes like the times are just wildly inaccurate um, yeah much too dramatic effect in the episode where it's really highlighted um, mm-hmm. but uh, the characters of the show are three bears there is a grizzly bear who's named Grizz. There's a panda bear who's named Panda and who they make fun of for being a raccoon or a part of the raccoon family, which is true, I actually think. Well, it used to be considered true, but now it's they are still considered more closely related to raccoons and red pandas than other uh, types of bears. But when we were children, we were taught pandas aren't actually bears, and they actually found out about 10 or so years ago, oh, like, shit, they're actually bears, which is why Panda says, like, pandas are bears! A whole bunch of scientists proved it! Yeah, it's one of the... I think it's one of the funniest jokes in the episode, or in in the show, that kids just won't get at all. Mm -hmm. There's no way. That joke was not made for kids. It was definitely made for adults who were kids in the 90s. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and actually in an episode where the episode where they're doing a presentation about bears uh, for Chloe's class, they uh, do a montage. And at one point they show they lift up Panda's weird little arm thumb thing, which was the disputed thing about whether or not pandas are bears, actually, is their weird little arm thumb. Um, opposable thumbs. No, they have, like, a weird little extra digit kind of far back on their arm that helps them scrape bamboo. 
and basically in terms of like taxonomy, uh, there was, there is the difference between like the derived trait and the ancestral trait, I think it is. And they always assumed that that was a derived trait, putting pandas like way farther away from the rest of bears, which like to be fair, raccoons are in the Ursa genus, but but, like, putting them farther, far enough away from the other bears to not be bears anymore. But then they actually found out that it's the ancestral trait and that pandas are, like, if anything, even more bears than other bears. They're, like, an older type of bear. Wow. This show is run by a fucking nerd and another fucking nerd. We are fucking <laughs> nerds. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, discussing taxonomy really gets my engine revving. Um, yeah, all that, love all, it. Mm, biology. <sighs> okay, but then uh, so panda... so there's ice bear. Ice bear. Um, yeah, there's one more. He's a polar bear, and his name is ice bear. So ice bear is very interesting. Do you want to come back to ice bear before, after? Yeah, let's do okay. brazen panda, and then we'll do ice bear last. Well, so we've got. Um, they're the main cast there in every episode, um, but they are the bear bears in question. Yes, but the bears have an entourage. Um, the main individual who we see who is not a bear is Chloe, who is also a very interesting character who I have a lot to say about because college, you that'll make sense in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Chloe is a 10 or 12 year old. 10 year old Korean girl. Korean American. Chloe Park. Chloe Park. Um, she is a child prodigy. She is in college. She goes to a Bay Area, Bay Area college, um, mm-hmm. which it kind of feels like it's Berkeley. It kind of feels like she goes to Berkeley. Um, I think at one point her ID says that it's a community college, but I could be wrong. I know that Panda takes community college courses, um, but Chloe's courses and their intensiveness seem to suggest and act like not that community colleges cannot be rigorous, but she encountered like a four year university. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. as an academic, that's how it feels to me. Um, so Chloe is super cool. Very smart. Um, a lot of the episodes around her center around her family mm-hmm. or her education. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. As the show goes on, especially into season three and four, we see each of the bears develop a tighter relationship with one of the side characters. Like each of them has sort of a special friendship with one of the side characters. And for Chloe, she and Ice Bear share that kind of tighter relationship. Uh, Chloe has her, her parents show up sort of on the side. Um, but her parents are pretty cool. They let their 10-year-old prodigy daughter hang out with bears. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, Chloe's mother is voiced by the same voice actress that does BMO and it and Lady Rainicorn and Candy from Gravity Falls. <laughs> it really it really I can't describe how much I love that woman's voice. It's beautiful. It's partially It's be- iconic. Um Part of it is spill over from when I was in a really weird place and was watching Adventure Time and BMO would say really like off the cuff, existentially relevant things. 
and I like can't separate those emotions from her voice, but <laughs> trying to, the voice is still really great. Um, okay. yeah. Anyway. So, uh, we also have Charlie. Char the, the bears live in a forest cave in, uh, what must be Golden Gate National Park. Um, if I had to take a guess, it's the largest national park near San Francisco, near San Francisco. And the place they live is pretty heavily forested. So that, that, that mm -hmm. to me is, I think the view from the outro credits. And they're friends with a park ranger who First they all, only really have park rangers at national parks. So First of all, her name is Taves. Second of all, she is a thick goddess, and I love she her. She is thick AF. Um, <laughs> Taves dummy thick. But God, she's very cool. She's also voiced by one of the most, by by very prolific voice actress. Um, but anyway, so Charlie. Charlie lives in the forest, and Charlie is Bigfoot. Yep, he's a Sasquatch. He is Sasquatch. Um, Charlie... And the bears form, at first, they form a reluctant relationship with him, but then they, they become close friends. So it's very cool. Charlie's cool. Um, Charlie really, like, he struggles with social graces. He can be really, he can be really annoying and difficult to be around, but it's because he's just this very isolated, uh, isolated fellow. Um, and we learn some really fascinating things about Charlie and his isolation in season four, but I'll just leave it at that. Um, but he also develops a tighter relationship with Panda, which is great because Panda, they both have severe social anxiety, but manifesting in different ways. And they are very much an odd couple type of friendship. Uh, he's not the only Sasquatch either. Like, at first we think that's kind of how it be, but then we find out it's not how it do. Yeah, I do. I read Ralph as a Yeti, personally. But <laughs> he's, like, basically the Chad version of, a version of Charlie. Like, Ralph equals Chad, Charlie equals Virgin, if we're doing the meme here. <laughs> um, and then we've got... Who else do we have? My my mind is blanking when it really shouldn't. Um, well, oh. Tabes. Let's talk about Tabes. Yeah, let's talk about Tabes. So, Tay, uh, Ranger Tabes, her, her first name is Dana. Dana Tabes. Mm -hmm. She works in the park. The bears form a close relationship with her. She is highly extroverted, go get em, adventurous, um, very quick to latch on to a plot line and follow it. Uh, sometimes a bit too aggressively, but she is a, a positive, great person. Um, Incredibly kind and giving at the end of the day. Also, um, just love that she tapes as a ginger and even her eyelashes are like ginger in the animation. Let's see what else. Um, yeah. Um, she's voiced by Cameron Esposito, whose yeah! face I recognize, but cannot place. I actually recognize her more from LGBTQ-related things. Yes, um, yes, definitely. Because she's heavily involved 
in a lot of that. Um, but I've heard her voice in in things more more often, like post two thousand ten. Sure. Yeah, and I would say that you could like you could definitely read Tabes as queer if you wanted to. Um, and I think that her being voiced by Cameron Esposito would probably lend credence if you wanted to read her as, as queer, uh, her like sexuality or romantic life hasn't been addressed at all in the show, but I could see reading her as queer. Yeah. Esposito is for, for people who are unaware, she is a lesbian. So, um, yeah, that, that is why there is credence to, to said thing. Um, Mm -hmm. so go ahead. And Grizz has that tighter relationship with tapes. Um, Grizz also, weirdly, he has said, like, he has a tighter relationship with the, I would say, like, a soft antagonist uh, in Nom Nom. Nom Nom is is voiced by Patton Oswalt, which is the greatest thing ever. Um, And I believe Nom Nom's in the very first episode. I think the very first episode of the show is about them trying to become internet famous and they meet up with Nom Nom. If it's not the first, it is one of the first. If it's like, not the first, it's literally the second episode. Um, Nom Nom is a koala bear. Side note, koalas suck. Fuck koalas. Um, oh, why? They're super aggressive and they pee on everybody. Oh, I didn't know that they were aggressive. Yeah. If you hear people who have worked with koalas talk about koalas... It's not pretty. They're they're super aggressive. They've got sharp nails. They bite. Um, they look really cute, but apparently in person, they're not very great. Well, that totally fits Nom Nom. Good job making him a koala. Yeah, no, I when I saw that, I, I thought that, you know, oh, wow, that makes total sense. Of course he's an asshole. Um, mm-hmm. Nom Nom's a total dick. Yeah, Nom Nom is a total He has gotten dick. slightly better... As time has gone on, but he backslides a lot, and he is not executed a redemption arc. Uh, Nom Nom is internet famous. He becomes internet famous because of you know the cat, the cute animal video viral video thing, and mm-hmm. he turns it into sort of a media empire as the show progresses, and the bears get swept up into his stuff for various reasons. And he's always Grizz is enamored by fame, even if someone treats him like shit. So Grizz is a Ed, but Panda and Ice Bear don't want to be treated like shit. So it's mostly Grizz who who puts up with Nom Nom's bullshit. Uh, And aside from Nom Nom, I who am I missing? I feel like I'm missing somebody. Okay, we hit Chloe, Charlie, Tabes, Nom Nom. Honestly, I think uh, Lucy, she appears in an yeah! early episode and is now, as we move forward in the show, especially in seasons, season four, really, is becoming a much more frequent side character. Um, she is a produce saleswoman, potentially like small scale farmer who saves Panda from a peanut allergy attack in an early episode and it's she is showing up more frequently in the show now as just a friend of the bears but they haven't really had time to really develop lucy she hasn't shown up in a whole lot of episodes panda has the hots for her which is really weird for me 
Panda's um, girl crazy. Okay, so let's address this right now. The bears are sci- the bears are Schrodinger's bear. Um, they are simultaneously people and not people. And like for kids who don't think about that, that's not an issue. It's like a non-issue. Um, mm-hmm. They're anthropomorphic, but they're also bears. Fine, whatever. And to be fair, it's not it's not really an issue, but. I can't help think occasionally, like, okay, Panda is a bear who likes people, and nobody has any problem with this. Yeah, and sometimes there are girls who are interested in him, too, and that's, it's a little bit weird, you know, it's a little bit strange, and it's also one of those worlds where some animals talk, but some animals are just animals, and it's not really clear why. Um... Right, it 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 it, 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 um, it is one. You're of those, a hard time. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm excited to to talk about bears dating women, um, but it, it it the dissonance just pops up every now and again for me, and I can't help but wonder like I want to I want it to be consistent, and it's not, and that's okay. But it's also going to create some furries, which is also okay. Um, that's just the reality of animation that you just, you just deal with that and you move on. Um, okay. So we've kind of started to, but let's, do you want to talk about the bears themselves and their personalities? Maybe go Grizz, Panda, Ice Bear and discuss them. Yeah, we'll go extroverted. Because it's also, it's a very character driven show. We'll go extroverted to introverted. Yeah. Yeah. We'll slide on that scale here. Um, Grizz is a grizzly bear. He is comedic relief, uh, high energy. He has schemes that drive the plot a lot of the time. Um, Highly open to new experiences, wants to meet people, wants to be around people, make friends at any cost sometimes. Um, (laughs) Even if they're pigeons. Yeah, he is uh, the self, self-appointed self eldest brother of the crew. They've appointed themselves places in birth order for some reason. Um, so he's he's the oldest brother. Uh, when they travel around in their bear stack, he stands on top of Ooh. the bear stack. Um, and is at the top of the hierarchy, which is explicitly addressed in an early episode. Uh, and he also is frequently portrayed as being not the smartest bear ever. And while he always means well, he doesn't always think things through. And that causes him and other people a lot of problems. It's interesting that pseudo family structures, people who aren't family, but adopt familial relationship styles, like use the schema actual family uses to describe their relationships. Sorry. Sorry. I, I ha- It's interesting that they choose their birth order because I've seen a lot of other people do that who are not blood related. Where they will really? adopt, they'll adopt family, like family status, like they'll use the language families use to describe their own relationships, even though it isn't logical. Like their birth order is non-existent because they, they're not related. But nonetheless, I like I'm the eldest. I'm the mom. I'm the person in the group who does blah 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 blah. Um, it's very interesting how people co-opt that as a sign of how close 
they are with other people. Anyway, yeah, definitely. Uh, they do that here. Grizz is super, uh, he's highly extroverted. Sorry, I'm talking about in terms of like personality traits. Yeah. And he's very low neuroticism. Like he doesn't worry about things. He's very, um, he doesn't really ruminate or dip into negative emotionality a lot. Always wants to be around people. And the reason I point this out is because the other bears really aren't like this. Um, no, he also has poor impulse control and is not particularly hygienic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he um, he clashes a lot with Panda. I think he and Panda Because are, Panda's highly neurotic. Panda's, okay, so Panda is highly neurotic, um, more introverted, but I, I don't know. I'd say he's kind of like in the middle. He likes people and he likes being around people, but mm -hmm. not quite as much as Grizz. Um, he's mostly, I think he's mostly identified by his neuroticism and kind of his, he likes what he likes and he, he doesn't like new things very easily. Um, pandas are little weeb, baby. Um, <laughs> he loves anime. He loves anime, he loves to do art, and it all looks like anime. Um, he's super attached to his cell phone. While all the bears enjoy Japanese snacks, Panda really enjoys Japanese snacks. Um, he has a potentially unhealthy relationship with his Dakimakura that everyone is just, like, kind of okay with. Her name is Miki-chan. <laughs> <clears throat> like, like... I have a, my boyfriend is not a weeaboo, and I, uh, he was just like, why is everyone okay with his relationship with, with his, with his anime sex pillow? And I was like, shh, just, they're always for sex, leave Panda alone. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's portrayed in a very non-judgmental way, but it is, mm -hmm. I, I didn't even think, this is how, okay, I'm not a fucking weeaboo, and anybody who tells you different is a liar, and I will sue you. I will sue you for slander. For, for or I guess, which one is it? Which one is speech? Is it libel or slander? I don't, I know that slander is speech. Defamation is in writing and I'm not sure what libel is. Okay. Slander. I will, I, I will attack you. I will get you. That's a promise. <laughs> but I am so used to cult. You know, consuming a certain type of of media, um, <laughs> and it it just kind of passed by me as my brain didn't even ping it as notable. So um, yeah, like the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh my god, he has a ducky! That's hilarious!" And then I just kind of like moved on, like, "Oh, of course, yeah, he has like he's overly close with his ducky," but then like. My boyfriend is like, why is everyone just okay with this? That, uh, <laughs> that tickles me. That really <laughs> does. Um, Panda is the most interested in dating people. Out yeah, of the, out but of... I would say Panda is into women the way a teenage girl is into boys, you know? Like, he's, he's girl crazy. He constantly has different crushes. 
they make a joke out of it. You know, they're like, oh, is that the girl you're in love with? And he's like, no, that was the cash, uh, cashier I was in love with last week. You know, like, he's constantly having all of these different crushes and online dating, and he never really brings anything to fruition. Yeah, and, and Panda, he's a hypochondriac. He He's allergic to everything. Not that those make him a bad person. I don't know. A lot of the conflict around him centers around his anxiety mm-hmm. um, or like various hangups that really make up a lot of his life. Yeah. He's our poor little anxious baby. And, and to be fair, um, you know, we love our Pan Pan, uh, but he can be like, He's the most annoying of the bears. Okay. Yeah. No, Panda, and, Panda and Grizz are both more annoying than Ice Bear. But I, I would say for me, Panda, even though I like him a lot and relate to him more than I relate to Grizz, I think that he's objectively the most annoying of the bears. Also, I don't like how I relate to him. You don't like that you also are like a little ball of anxieties. Like I, who, I have so many feelings about that. It's like I'm like, oh man, I can identify with that, and I hate that I can. Sort of. Well, way. okay. So this show's been praised for its accurate depiction of millennial life, and one of my friends described the show as bears confront late capitalism and so i think that panda is really the avatar of all of those bad feelings and anxieties that are so relatable to every millennial i i yeah in 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 a way it's like confronting my mortality except not mortality it's like my fear yeah Definitely. And also, one of my friends the other night decided to interpret the show as like pandas and incel, which is mean. He's he's not, but he's not a nice guy. No, he's not a nice guy, TM. That's the thing is we, we made it clear it was just funny to watch the show and react to it as though pandas like an incel. But that's just, that's an intentionally uncharitable reading of Panda. He's not, like, a nice guy, TM. And he even, you know, he has, he doesn't consider himself to be, like, entitled to any of the women that he likes. And he's very, like, they're all very kind to other people. Uh-huh. So there's none of that, like, harsh reaction to, to people. No, Panda Panda can be a little mean to Charlie, but I think that's part of their it's part of their rapport, right? Is that Charlie Charlie brings out the worst in Panda but loves him anyway, and that's what's really like touching about their relationship. Uh, I it's in now that you mentioned the millennial thing about Panda, I, I very much agree with that sentiment. And we'll now watch that and be anxious about it. I also Yeah, he's always the, on social media and on dating apps and shit. I also had the thought that these bears were confronting certain economic situations that I was like, that's gross. And I don't know if the show meant to make us feel that it was gross, but I was like, wow. Show, if you slip that in there intentionally, good for you. If not... You're kind of being 
ob oblivious. So I, I never, there are some points where I could never tell which one they were trying to be. Well, I think that I think that they're just portraying the situation of downwardly mobile and financially insecure millennials in their late 20s and early 30s. And they're portraying it pretty accurately for a children's show. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about Ice Bear before we talk about those themes? Yeah, so Ice Bear is polar bear. Ice Bear! Ice Bear only refers to Ice Bear as Ice Bear. He never uses the, the, the pronoun I. Um, there are times, it's really funny because there are times where people try to get him to say something and they're like, repeat after me. And they're like, I am strong. And Ice Bear's like, I, I, Ice Bear is strong. Uh, he's like, it's impossible I, for him I, to use a pronoun. Ice Bear can't be to, bear to be without his frosty fluffs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that episode is so good. Um, so Ice Bear is a highly competent bear. I think that's how you put it the other night, Chris. Yeah, so Ice Bear is low, uh, highly conscientious, low, uh, not very extroverted, not very neurotic. I would argue he's low. He's like almost as low on neuroticism as you could possibly be. At least like outward behavior would suggest that. Um there's a lot going on there that's hard to... Panda... Ice Bear definitely likes things in their place, though. Um, well, he's... So he, for one, he is definitely sort of the mom, and he seems to be in that role because he likes doing those things. So he cleans a lot, and he cooks, like, gourmet meals for them a lot. Yeah. But he very clearly... He, for example... One night when he prepares dinner for them and sets everything out nicely and, like, rings a bell for them to come to dinner and they don't come for dinner and they don't come for dinner no matter how many times he rings it, he – it really is only about five minutes of them not coming to dinner and he goes and he dumps it all in the trash and leaves and just goes start, – and starts working at a teppanyaki restaurant. So he's very much – he's low in expressed emotion at, like – at first it seems that he's low in expressed emotionality. But he very clearly likes things in a very particular way and does not react well when those things are disturbed. Yeah, so there's there's another layer to this. But on the just sort of like the general personality layer, that would be he's like super high in conscientiousness, which is like organized and order. Um, okay. He likes things to be in their place, clean, organized, and scheduled. Um, yes. But he's good at everything, by the way, not just cleaning, not just gourmet meals. He's also great at axe wielding, other types of ranged weapons. He's good at knitting. <laughs> like, Ice Bear's good at so many things. Yeah, he's he's kind of our, our competent deus ex machina in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. Um, whatever skill you need him to have or language he, he needs to know, he knows. Except um, parallel parking. They say he can't. He cannot parallel park. He's the one who learns how to drive, but he can't parallel park. And they even comment, uh, "It's the one thing he's not good at." Uh, he, I would argue, he's pretty open to new experiences for a person who likes things to be in their place. Um, but he readily adopts a lot of cultural things that are separate from what he is used to. Um, he mm. learns a lot of new stuff really easily it seems, and likes it, too. Um, he clearly speaks... We see him speak 
with some degree of fluency, French, Russian, and Korean. And I think French, Russian, Korean, and Japanese. And in terms of what we've actually seen of backstory for him, we only have a good reason for him to be able to speak one of those languages. Yeah, he's hyperlexic. Mm-hmm. Um, which leads us into an interesting thing about Ice Bear. It goes along with his low expressed emotionality, his focus on things in their place, um, his very intense devotion to certain pursuits. I'll let you... Ice Bear's autistic, okay? And <laughs> I... The other night, I was watching We Rare Bears in a room full of autistic people, and we agreed as a group that we all read Ice Bear as autistic. Um, it's just It just makes sense to us based on those, based on the way that he expresses his emotion, based off of his special interests, um, you know, based on the way he reacts to things. Uh, we even... There are lots of episodes of the show where it shows us the bears as babies, as, as children, when they're homeless. And in none of those episodes so far, which moves somewhat mostly chronologically, he's never spoken to the extent that the bears just call him little bro and not by – well, they actually still do as adults. They never call him ice bear. They still just call him little bro. But anyway – he never speaks. So they show we see that Ice Bear was nonverbal to an advanced age compared to his peers. And that's just and so that's a reading by like autistic people of Ice Bear as being autistic. I don't know if any of the writers or creators of this show have spoken about that, though. Um, I it, it is also worth noting that I, I came to that that reading of Ice Bear separate from page so it's not like we got together and we're like yeah we think this so that's what we're gonna say um uh-huh. i think i said something about it and then she was like oh yeah wow like that's what a room full of me and other autistic people thought so yeah we we converged on the same assessment um which is interesting i can't like i came at it from sort of a reading of psychological qualities um and the others, perhaps through some personal experience? That's a guess, but do you want to speak on that? Yeah, it's just sort of, it's like, you know, every autistic person is different, but it was just sort of like, you know, there are certain, like, traits and recognizable aspects that Ice Bearer has that made us think, like, oh, yeah, like, that's that's what's going on. You know, the just... um the fact that he is he is clearly like a very emotional person he just expresses it in a really subdued way and it comes out mostly in these like really subtle facial expressions rather than huge emotive displays like grizz and panda do you know he seems to be a sponge for information just soaking it in he seems to have extreme dedication to his hobbies and what's funny is we see him, we actually see him melt down in certain situations, you know. Uh, one, there's, you know, this is a slight season four spoiler, but there's a moment where he's put in a situation where he's having to play violin in front of a bunch of people and he hasn't played for years. And he just freaks out and throws it down to the ground and runs away. 
or like when Krabu pinches his ear rather than like screaming or anything, he starts like running around everywhere and destroying it. Like we see Ice Bear have um, meltdowns when he is pushed to a significant point of stress. Yeah, I was just, there are a lot, like any quality in isolation, it wouldn't really point to that, but together, it's just like mm-hmm. a cluster. It's just hit, like, it just all points in that direction to me. Yeah. So. Yeah, and in in a way that it seems, I don't know, it's a lot more accurate than something like, you know, like Sheldon, right? It seems like it's, and also it shows, like, Typically, representations, there aren't that many representations of autistic characters in television, and when they are, it's usually, it's either kind of hateful or like Sheldon on Big Bang Theory. But to show a character like Ice Bear, who is highly competent and devoted to his, you know, interests, but not to the exclusion of human relationships, and who's also highly devoted to his family and a really and his friends and a really loving and kind person is really, really cool. Maybe one day I'm surprised nobody has asked that question like out loud and tried to get a response. I'm surprised yeah. the creators haven't said anything about it. Um, well, I mean, like, it's not like I looked super hard for it. I bet we could find... Stay tuned. ...some info about it, if we really wanted to. Um, and then... Oh, and he speaks in a monotone, that's part of it. Yes, yeah. So, um... Which Dimitri Martin is exceptional at. Yeah, Dimitri Martin gives a great performance. Well, and that's been a lot of his comedic career, has been saying whimsical things in a fairly monotone voice. Yeah. So, um, Chloe. Okay. So go ahead. There is a lot of, a lot of discussion on the internet and on like fan forums and Reddit and stuff. Uh, about Ice Bear being autistic. Like, we're not the only people who have thought of this. Like, everybody... Like, there's a whole... There's a Tumblr called Autistic Headcanons, which says... Which includes Ice Bear. Um... Oh, here's something saying... That it's canon. But I don't know that's true. So I'm not finding anything. Like, Daniel Chong says Ice Bear's autistic. But there's... It's clearly widely, widely thought that that's, 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 a lot of people think that, basically. Very good. Well, it's good that we're all kind of converging on the same answer. Yeah, there we go. There we go. But Ice Bear, Best Bear. Ice Bear, Best Bear. Yeah, no, he's my favorite. He's... Yeah. Also, Ice Bear... The Ice Bear Backstory episode is not the first Baby Bears episode we get. Uh, We get another Baby Bears episode of the three of them prior to that. But it is the first solo Baby Bear true backstory episode that we get. And it's amazing and heartbreaking. Did you cry? Oh, I cried. Yeah, I also cried. 
Yeah, he's... and it also gives an explanation as to why he always speaks in the third person. I uh, I think it was one of the only episodes of that show I cried. Yeah, I mean, I cried. Also, the Christmas episode made me cry as I'm... well. I, you know what? I cry at Wee Bear Bears all the time. I've cried at like half the episodes of Wee Bear Bears. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm currently also concurrently watching like British dramas that are literally ripping my soul apart. That the bar <laughs> has been set a little bit higher for emotionality in 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 me. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, this show is so unambiguously happy most of the time that I haven't mm-hmm. gotten as emotional. Um, yeah, it brings me true, like unbridled joy. And a lot of the times that I'm crying, most of the time that I'm crying at Wee Bear Bears, it's not a sad crying. It's, it's, it's a happy crying or a, like that really hit me right in the feels kind of crying. Um, but just for the record, the ice bear backstory episode is like, he is an orphaned polar bear being hunted by poachers who killed his mom. Ugh. And he gets taken in by a surly Cossack. Um, whose name is, of course, Yuri. Who's named Yuri. Uh, and he's always like, Yuri this and that, Yuri this and that. And he that's how he learns to cook and how he learns to wield an axe and how he learns to knit and carve and all these different things. And they get into a fight and the poachers are going to come for Ice Bear. And Yuri, like, scoops him up and saves them. You know, all is forgiven. And they're running away from the poachers. And they get to the edge of the ice sheet. And there's nowhere left to go. And the poachers are still coming. So Yuri sets Ice Bear down and hacks into the ice with his axe. And sets the ice adrift with the axe in it. So that Ice Bear will be safe. Even though it means that Ice Bear will be alone. And that they'll be apart and... I cried. Oh man, I shit. Very sad. I also, <laughs> I also shit my pants when, <laughs> just to eloquently talk about my emotions, um, mm-hmm. when uh, it it is shown. Ice Bear is really good at robotics, and he builds a really cool ass Roomba vacuum that is also a combat robot. And Are you talking about Icy Nights too? Yes. So he, yes! In, in one episode. He, he has to go get information from somebody who, who will know who stole this vacuum of his. And it's this cool, like, Russian coffee barista who, um, at this point, the Yuri episode hadn't aired yet. No, it had. It had. No, no, it's in between. So there's one and two. And it was between oh, wait, no, one wait, and no, two. Oh, no, sorry. No, 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 no. Okay, so, so since they're two-parter episodes, right? They're each 11 minutes. Uh, Ice Bear Backstory with Yuri happens immediately before Icy Nights 2, immediately before Icy Nights, and then, like, a full season later or more, Icy Nights 2 happens, uh, which is when there's this reveal. I, mm, that doesn't feel right to me, but I... No, I, it's right. I've watched this three times. All right, what, do, hmm, I wonder if the services air them differently. What did you watch, It could on? be, like, Hulu, I watch, um... The first two seasons on Hulu, and then the next two seasons on a different site because there's not the rest of it on Hulu. Uh, I watched it on Netflix, so it's possible that they aired. Is it on Netflix now? Yes, all the seasons. 
oh, what the fuck? They could air them in different order because uh, on Hulu, it's on that you see, I can't remember the name of Ice Bear's backstory, but it happens. And then immediately the next episode is Icy Nights. And then it's not until like, see, you know what? I can just, we can fix this by looking at the Wikipedia, which is a definitive answer on episode ordering. <laughs> Hang well, on. Okay. So, um, in the meantime, what happened was, is that I, uh, Ice Bear meets this cool barista who's, who speaks with a Russian accent and they speak it's Russian. It's clear that they like know each other. It's clear you that know? they know each other. And you're like, oh, this is like a past romantic entanglement. That's cool. Um, and then in Icy Nights 2, Ice Bear has to rescue her. And at the very end of the episode, she, she either dropped or gave Ice Bear a locket. And he opens the locket and this is a picture of her with Yuri and whoever their her like her mother was. So the I, exact same photo that we had seen in the backstory episode with Yuri. It's the exact same photo. And I spares like, what? And so at that moment, in the beginning of the episode, yeah. I, I guessed that. I was like, wait, they know each other? Could she be Yuri's daughter? Because I marked the photo that Yuri cared so much about. And I was like, uh-huh. Oh, he's got a daughter and he must be estranged from them or something. Cause he's really surly about it. Um, yeah. And so I, I was like, Oh, I bet, I bet she's his daughter. And then he opened the locket and I was like, yes. And I put my hands up yeah. cause I was really excited about it. Um, it's wild. Yeah. I don't know. I have not finished season four completely yet. I'm like, more than halfway through, but I haven't completely finished it yet. And I don't know if they've continued to address that yet or not. They better because they're really, they're really tilling the soil. And if they don't reap the sweet fruits of plot with that, then that will be a a missed opportunity for them. Yeah. Um, But for sure. Okay. So I found it. Yuri and the Bear, which is the backstory episode we're talking about, is uh, airs in sequence immediately before Icy Nights. Um, they're episodes 17 and 18 of season two, respectively. And then Icy Nights 2 airs fully a season and a half, nearly. After that, Icy Nights 2 is episode 23 of season 3. So there's a big space in between them. And also, just for the record, Icy Nights is is a drive spoof. It's really excellent. I haven't seen Drive, unfortunately. Oh my god, it's like a pitch-perfect drive spoof. Just like, the whole vibe of it, the music, everything, it's... It's drive. It's really, really great. Uh, huh. Well, now I'll have to go watch drive. It's violent. It's real violent. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So Ice Bear is, he really tugs at my heartstrings. I love Ice Bear. He brings a lot of um, the more subtle comedy to the show. A lot of the adult stuff. And I, uh... He's also perfect, you know? Ice Bear is just the perfect bear. Um, all right, so we have just enough time <laughs> to talk about one more character, and then we are going to pick up with a- another episode talking about themes and content. But we have Chloe. 
And she's sort of the last really main character, in my opinion, mm. to go along with the Bears. Tabe's close second. Charlie, close second. But um, their relationship with Chloe, I feel, is very, very, it's unique because Chloe's a child. Um, yeah. And to me, I don't know, that they, they, I don't know, they feel very close. Um, Chloe is a 10-year-old Asian-American pro- right? Um, she's in college and she's 10. Mm-hmm. What do we think about Chloe? Is she a stereotype, number one? Um, like, yeah, like, on one level, yes, but, like, on the other hand, I don't know, like, I, like, Daniel Chung, like, I'm pretty sure is Korean himself, so I don't want to, like, be like, hey, Korean-American man, your Korean-American character is a stereotype, you know? I don't know. I think there there are definitely stereotypical elements to the carrier, car- I, character. Obviously, I should say that a stereotype doesn't have to be negative. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um... A little bit. I mean, the idea of the super smart Asian kid is is very much a stereotype. Um, that being said, there was a real life Asian child attending classes at our college when I graduated. I yeah, I at TCU there were one or two actually two kids who were brothers came in like year one year and then the like two years later and they were both like thirteen. Um, yeah. So I think it's interesting that they chose this particular character um, instead of say like a twenty-year-old or an eighteen-year-old. Um, Chloe's great. I shouldn't, like, don't let, she's not, she's actually super well adjusted for a 10-year-old girl. Like, she's scared of her professors like anybody else would be. She has a lot of social trouble because of the age difference. Um, As a character, Chloe is excellent. She's, I don't know, she's Chloe. I think that uh, one of my primary issues with Chloe is not actually an issue with her character, but the idea of prodigy children uh, sort of in Mm -hmm. the educational system. Mostly because I feel like people look at that and and they're like, damn, I wish I could do that. Or I wish like I want my child to be that successful. And I do not feel that way at all about children in college because I feel like in our culture, there's not this distinction between like intelligence versus social learning. And people look at school as being primarily about learning when it's really about like a lot of stuff. It's like a lot about a lot of development. It's about a lot of um, skills that people develop outside of knowledge it's also a lot of it is about socialization and not like, like, like social, like, like 
social engagements, socialization, like learning how to be around your peer, like how you're expected to behave around your peers and how to engage in pro-social behavior. School is very important for that. And I, I should say she, in the show, she struggles with the social aspect of, of being around college students. And this is a kid show. So of course the bears help her overcome this and she manages to make friends. That's really cool. I do not think that is how it usually happens. I No, because it's you don't really want to be like let's be real. Friends with a little kid when you're in college and even if you're like, wow, what like a cool little kid. There's also an element of like if I'm seen to be friends with this small child, my peers might think that something is strange about me, you know, that something's like off there. Like if we sort of like hunter gatherers did not have a really weird age division schema for how culture should work, where age mm -hmm. groups of that, like large disparities, you know, can interact normally without any regimented structure to it, that would be great and fine. But we do have a have like school is actually to blame for this. Mm -hmm. um, but people see ages have to interact with each other. And if they go down or up too much or weird, something strange. I mean, at the upper limit, people start thinking about really like bad shit. Um, yeah. And in the show, it works out, but let, let's be real. College students are talking about their partying. They are mm -hmm. cursing, talking about, like, they're fucking. They're, like, they're doing all of this stuff that they have to censor about themselves. Because you don't want to be that student who's, like, talking about dating or, like, all of this mature stuff around a 10-year-old. And so that 10-year-old, if they have friends... Those friends are likely censoring themselves for their benefit. And that's like a really mm -hmm. strained way to have a relationship. Um, and I just, it works out in the show, but I just have to wonder if people look at that and are like, yeah, that's really cool. We could do like, we like, that could be a, a good idea. And I like psychologically don't think that is a good idea personally. I, I personally have never been in favor of kids, even even skipping grades, um, I really don't think is a good idea, especially not more than one grade, because there's so much of, you know, developmental differences. And it would be one thing if, like you said, it would be one thing if we didn't have this really regimented age division for socialization in our society, but we do so it's not like you can skip two, three grades or all the way to college and have other people who are in a similar stage of social and emotional development as you and even intellectual development as you around. You won't. It will be a completely a like a, as homogenous as possible with something like that kind of development. But it will be a homogenous group of people that you do not fit into that are ahead of you in terms of their social and emotional development for the most part. And that is problematic. And there would be a difference if there were a bunch of kids like that around, then I think the social structure would change 
and that would become more accommodated. But if it's just you, like you're the lone prodigy in a class, that I can't imagine how isolating that is. And, and it, to be fair, it does, the show like does address it to a certain extent a couple of different times where she talks about how like it's not that fun to be the prodigy that to have people know her as the prodigy and that it's, it's isolating for her. I wonder if that could be some, like some of Chong's like critique of heavy emphasis on educational achievement or, or prodigy, like childhood prodigy ness. Mm hmm. prodigiousness (laughs) (laughs) I mean it very well could be because I think there's something interesting to say about the fact that so the bears are I've been I've tried really hard to work out their age it seems to me that the bears are meant to be somewhere in their late 20s mid to late 20s um and they are friends primarily with adults but compared to those adults they often seem childish and there are one one friend who is uh they have one friend who's a child and so they assume the more adult at time like more adult more protective role over her but there's also these situations where as sort of domesticated and anthropomorphic as the bears are They were not, they also did not have a normal human childhood where they were brought up around people of a similar level of social and emotional development and learned to understand social cues and pro-social behavior and how to behave around one's peers. So they are also locked out and isolated in a similar way to Chloe and So she, their friendship with her both allows them to meet someone who relates to them in that way and, but also allows them to act in the role of adult or mature party in a, in, in cases where they normally don't in their other friendships. But, but I definitely think a, a major thing that they have in common with Chloe is that none of them had a childhood. Oh, that's very cool. I love that. I, I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah, the bears were, like, homeless. And, like, all the episodes with baby bears are really cute and they get into a lot of shenanigans. But let's be clear, they're homeless. They lived in a cardboard box by themselves as children. The bears did not have a childhood. You know, and because Chloe is already in college at 10... Chloe's not really having a childhood either. Homeless bears. It's really sad, actually. That might actually be a great place to start next time talking about the economic messages of the show. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, Uh, Folks, it's fucked up. The show itself isn't fucked up. Our society, it's fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) You said it earlier, millennials confronting late capitalism yeah it's bears confront late capitalism (laughs) um so chloe we love her i i wish she could be a child and just Mm -hmm. be a child 
I feel for yep. you. But at least she's highly competent. There is that. Yeah, she, she does. That. She does persevere. So good for mm-hmm. Chloe. On balance, Chloe, she's a good one. Today we've talked about uh, a lot of the characters. We may talk a little bit about characters like Tapes and Charlie next time, but mm-hmm. next time we're going to focus more on uh, episode plot lines that we found interesting and some of the themes of the show that haven't already sort of been addressed. So hopefully we'll be able to turn around a recording on that pretty quick. So just be on the lookout for our second episode over We Bear Bears. Awesome. Um, So as usual, thank you so much for listening to the episode. If you liked it and have not done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review it on iTunes so that the algorithm works its magic for us and other people can find the show. It is also, you can also follow us on social media. We're at Animates on Twitter. We're Animates Podcast on Facebook. And we can be emailed, Animates, with the numeral 8, at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon, Animates Podcast, that you can donate to at any level. If you want to get occasional bonus episodes where we talk about feature-length animated films and some of the maybe darker, less family-friendly material that we might want to confront. Uh, If you want to help us pay for our SoundCloud fees so that we're breaking even on this, we would really appreciate your help. Uh, I've been Paige. And I've been Chris. And this has been Animates. As an addendum to this episode, I would like to thank our Patreon subscribers for, uh, at this point, fully funding our access to SoundCloud, meaning that we will sort of in perpetuity be able to cover uh, our basic operating costs. Now, of course, we still would love people to uh, subscribe to our Patreon and access our extra content. Any further funding will go towards improving the quality of this show, whether that be through um, allowing improvements in recording software, recording equipment, access to uh, content that is behind a a paywall and is accessible through no other means to allow us to get higher quality content directly to you. So uh, please consider checking out our Patreon. And again, I would like to give a huge, big shout out and thank you to those who have already subscribed.